bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. I'm Andrew Main, joined by Brian Brushwood. Hello, beautiful people. Justin Robert Young. Hey, friends. Mr. Bryce Castillo. Hi, everybody. That's me. So, uh, what'd you do this morning, Brian? <laughs> this morning, uh, drove my kid to school, listened to a bit of a Jonathan Haidt, as one does, then uh, came back and I was trying to watch that Mr. Robot uh, episode, but then I found myself sucked into the buzz around a little Python script game called AI Dungeon 2 uh, that was so hard for me to put together, it was its own three-hour experience. I got to learn how GitHub works and what cells are and how to copy and paste Python scripts into a Google Drive. Make sure you have 13 gigabytes free, folks. But don't worry, you had come with 15 free if you create a new account. And then <laughs> executing multiple scripts to get it to run for about seven turns before it totally craters. But having said all of that, it was still freaking amazing. J Justin, do you know anything about this game? I know that somebody tweeted at us earlier today, so I am familiar with the general concept, but if, if I were to describe it, it would be an AI-generated word, uh, you know, a word-based dungeon crawler. So it is it is giving you all of the kind of like D&D &D prompts and then you are telling it what actions you're taking. Yeah, it's actually shockingly close to a, a failed experiment where on Twitter, I was joking about the idea of somebody who, who would be a full-time dungeon master and you could just play a game that goes literally anywhere. You never meet this person, you never who they, know who they are, but you could just say and do and go and be anything. Uh, and, and out of, <laughs> I said this on Twitter and then all of a sudden somebody just at replies me, you're standing in a room. <laughs> and so we started going back and forth, but then it started to feel like work to both of us. And so it ended up not going anywhere. Enter so, this neural net AI dungeon that, that basic quick backstory on it. Though? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Remember we talked about uh, GPT-2, the open AI, uh, the text generation system where, you know, we, we've done a couple stories on this where we read the stories that it generated. Oh, this, yeah, is yeah. That, this is that. What oh. these researchers did is they took that and they fed it a bunch of choose-your-own-adventure stories or choose-your-own from a website. So they just took that same engine and fed it a ton of those. And so that's what you were downloading was the finished model it created. That's why it was so huge. So this is, this is the OpenAI's GPT-2 just programmed with a ton of those. Yeah, so uh, I, I did get it working. And uh, what happens is, is I, I believe I'm hitting a memory error. And by the way, if you're interested in this, there's a fantastic community on reddit.com slash r slash AI Dungeon 2 or AI Dungeon, I forget which. But um, uh, Bryce, if you're able to pull up my, my one longest adventure, the, uh, so, so I understand that there's ways to allocate memory so that it more likely continues on and it's all very much in beta. Uh, but but here we go. So this was my adventure that I, that I had. Uh, <laughs> it says, you are Shudro, a noble living in the kingdom of Larian. You have a pouch of gold and a small dagger. You're awakened by one of your servants who tells you that your keep is under attack. You look at the window and see an army of orcs charging towards the door. Run, you shout to your servant. I will hold them off. 
the the next morning you wake up and find yourself surrounded by orcs uh me uh uh, you ask for the leader. Uh, and by the way, there's some debate, uh, like what's the best way to tease the best answer out of the AI bots is whether to use first person or second person on all that. And so uh, I had seen somebody say that, that using se uh, second person uh, was better. So I say, uh, you shout for the leader. Uh, he says, uh, uh, you, you look around and see several orcs with their faces covered by masks. They point, all point to each other and then point at you. Who are you? They say in unison. And then me, I say, I am the, uh, or I am the leader of this band of raiders. And I say, demand the orcs. Like at this point, I can't believe, like, am I already in charge of these orcs that were just trying to take down my castle? So I say, demand the orcs bow to you. And it says, you raise your hand and the orcs, the orcs bow before you. Then turn to your servant and tell him to get ready to fight. He nods and runs out of the room. The rest of the orcs follow suit. Now let's go. And then I say, say, I am the Lord of the Orcs. We shall pillage every city for miles around. Again, I can't believe that I'm already being granted this power. <laughs> and then the response is, the Orcs nod and begin to chant, quote, we will pillage every city for miles around. Quote, we will bring our enemies low. <laughs> quote, our master is great. <laughs> My next command is, run to Gary's butcher shop. <laughs> It says you enter Gary's butcher shop and find that it has been completely looted. There is a sign. There's no sign of Gary anywhere. You search the place but can't find anything useful. Uh, and I say, ask the orcs to burn down the shop. It says you grab an axe from one of the dead bodies and shout, "Burn the shop down!" And then I say, run to Larry's computer repair center. <laughs> So we run to Larry's <laughs> computer repair center and I say, steal a TRS-80. It says, you walk into the computer repair shop and start searching for a TRS-80. You quickly find that find one and try to take it. However, the owner of the shop grabs your hand or grabs your arm and tells you not to touch the machine. <laughs> At which point there is a follow-up where I, I ask him, I try to convince him and he says, fine, you can borrow it and I play it until I get bored. <laughs> <laughs> But like so, the the flexibility is extraordinary on this thing. What it but it's what it lacks is context. Is that each time you give it a response, it has no idea what you said before, and so it doesn't like it. It's the orcs are behaving each new iteration. It's not saying you're in a room full of orcs. If you say tell the orc commander, and that's why it changed the place. So it's fun until you realize, oh, it's. I'm not playing a narrative. It's just responding to that one sentence. It's, it's, it's waiting. Well, what it is is it's pretending to be the dungeon master, but it's letting you be the dungeon master. Uh, one of the bits of advice is, that they give on the subreddit for this is they say, use the words attempt to, because if you just say, I mount the horse, then it's going to mm. say, uh, you're on a horse. But if you say, attempt to mount the horse, then there's a chance that it's like, well, you get halfway up on the horse, and then the horse bucks, you fall down, and then it hits you again, striking you in the stomach, and now you have, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, pancreatitis or whatever. Yeah, but then in the next thing, it doesn't know there's a horse or anything. Each one is a new, completely new generation oh, I, based I, on... I, I, I got the impression that, that it sort of kept a running inventory. I'm, I, again, I've played all of 30 minutes, but, but I, I, I had the perception that if I told the orcs from the beginning without having established myself as their leader, that they wouldn't be available in my, in, in my inventory. But, but I may be wrong on that. Yeah. 
Um, it's a fun. It's fun to see what you can do even without context, even with it just basically in training a set on those sort of adventure stories. And, and like you said, by using the terms like attempt to, it leaves it more open ended. It's not trying to complete the phrase of I did this. And this is just early, early stages, you know. Uh, there... uh, it is it is a, a remarkable idea, and it is so fun. Brian, it, it, when you were playing it, does it have any kind of, like, uh, uh, hit points, or or are you, like... Uh, uh, I, is, I, I know is, you can die. As a matter of fact, if if you if Bryce is able to call up uh, the that subreddit, uh, it's pretty amazing because people are sharing their stories, and I've seen a number of them that end, begin and end in just one page and like seven actions. And uh, in, no, in one I, case, like uh, Captain William Kidd is trying to steal a boat, and then there's a bunch of dialogue back and forth between the two. And apparently, that's where the real fun is is to is to say to somebody, you know, quote blank, 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 and then have them respond. Oh, uh, yeah, here we go. The Adventures of the Unnamed Captain. Uh, uh, if you can make that big, Bryce, can you, can you, can, you can be the character in this, so, so I'll be the computer. Okay. You are a pirate captain running from the law. You are sailing into port when suddenly you hear a voice calling out to you. Listen. You turn around and see a man with a long beard approaching you. He has short brown hair and wears a leather jacket over a t-shirt. His eyes are set in a serious manner, but his face is calm. Quote, I am Captain William Kidd, he says. Uh, quote, Ahoy, Captain Kidd. What brings you aboard my vessel? Quote, I have been sailing for years, but I've never had much luck until recently. My crew is getting restless, so I thought I would, it would be best if I took this ship for, on as my own. You reply. <laughs> the weird, it says you reply as if that quote was said by me also. <laughs> yeah. Uh, quote, You'll have to take it from my cold, dead hands. Quote, if that's what you want, very well, Captain Kidd nods at you. Draw pistol and shoot, Captain Kidd. You draw your pistol and fire. The bullet hits Kidd square in the chest. He falls backwards onto the deck of the ship, clutching his chest. You quickly reload your pistol. <laughs> you quickly reload your pistol uh, and aim at Kidd again. This time you fire. Again, the shot hits him square in the chest. Quote, had enough? Before turning his back to the captain, quote, What was the point of all of this? We're just going to kill him now? The captain looks up at you, tears streaming down his face. <laughs> Throw kid overboard. You toss kid overboard into the ocean. He screams as he goes under the waves. Uh, tell crew, quote, there will be no tolerance for mutiny aboard this ship. You order the crew to stop complaining about their treatment and get back to work. You also give them a new set of orders. There will be no more complaints. After a few days, the crew returns to the usual behavior. They complain less, but they still don't get along. Uh, head to port for supplies. You head to port to get some supplies. When you arrive, you find that the ship is not in any condition to sail further. There are holes in the hole, water leaks everywhere, and the sails are torn off. You wonder how you can fix it. Tell Harbor Master, quote, send someone to repair my ship. You tell the Harbor Master to send someone to repair your ship. He agrees and sends two men. They manage to patch up the damage, but the ship is still not seaworthy. It takes several months to repair the ship sufficiently to make it seaworthy again. Uh, set sail. You set sail, hoping that the repairs will be successful. Unfortunately, the repairs do not succeed. The ship sinks without trace, and you die. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, that's a complete story, and it seems like like the robot understood everything oh, the entire what, time. What it's doing is, I should clarify, what it's doing is it's taking every past response and reply that you have and then sent, feeding that in. So you put in your sentence, so it takes all, like, a X number of whatever responses before and feeds that back in. So it's continuing on that narrative based on there, but and that's why you're getting that sense of context from those replies, but it's not like... Uh, it doesn't have an inventory in the sense of like it X number of ships or it's not telling a narrative, but it gives you that first sentence thing that tells you, you give it a response. It feeds that back in and be, goes back in and it keeps a certain number of them because after a certain point it gets really heavy overhead. So this, but. This, is, this is not a thing where in each adventure, the, the AI knows that there are 14 treasures and, you know, uh, six boats available and, you you know like it's not it's not a land that you are then exploring. It is one by one determined by your past actions. It is replicating, or it is creating the next step ahead. Yeah, and it's when it's taking those things that happened before, but it, and it's trying, it's doing its best to sort of generate a response that most likely responds to that. Um, and that was the thing, which is when we played the regular Open GP two, you know, the 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 the, the system is that. It's cool because it comes with spawn and it can create an article because it says these are the first two lines. This is what comes next. Remember the whole article about unicorns, you know, in the Andes Mountains? Yeah. Is it, it could generate an entire thing because it said what would follow this sentence? What will follow that sentence? What will follow that sentence? It doesn't really necessarily grasp. I mean, it knows that like you hear ships and repairs because there's enough text in there to tell about ships and repairs and stuff. It'll generate something along the lines of that. But it's not. Uh, it's not like a, a kind of a centrally sort of game engine sort of thing that's tracking things. It's literally looking at that text and taking a billion different responses on some choose your own adventure sort of site and trying to say this is what probably would be the most likely response, which is amazing. It's 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 this fun and this is just the start. Well, and I, I think that much like we're seeing with uh, various chess teams or whatever, the next phase will be some kind of human AI hybrid where it's like a human. It takes extraordinary bandwidth to design an entire town and tell a backstory or whatever. But it's like a human can say eh, it's roughly a medieval town uh, of, of a population of 30,000 people and then the details get filled out by the AI. And then when you get to a significant question where it's like, okay, it seems like they're probing, trying to assert authority or wanting to run an election or uh, physically attack another town or whatever, then you could get the guidance of, of, of a human on, on that kind of stuff. But, but for, for what it is, man, is it a fun toy to play with? And, and you know, it's, it's, it's like a silly, was it Eliza? Was that the AI that basically just Eliza, yeah. kept asking like, well, how do you feel about that? And then was able to convince people that it was real. Yeah, that was because if you're, <laughs> if you were extremely narcissistic, you never noticed. And that was literally like when they did like research on this, because some people would talk to her for an hours because Eliza would just go like, well, how are you? How was your day? And, and people like, oh, da, 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 da. Never stopping to think, was the recipient really paying attention to what I was doing, you know, uh, right. or not? And so it was one of these things where um, it was just, I got, was doing young in and out. What is it? You have the page there. See if it was based upon some sort of like therapy where they just sort of ask you, oh, we're Jerry and yeah. So, um, but you know, it's, 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 we get better. These things get better and better so and better for people. If, if you are technically minded and you can grasp what it means to download a Python script, copy it over to a Google drive and follow a bunch of GitHub cell 
snippets in order to get a thing working, you can start playing now. Uh, I would probably guess within a week, given how popular this is and how fast word is spreading, that you'll probably be able to just uh, just look for AI Dungeon 2. And, and my guess is at some point you'll be able to run it on their site fairly easily. Yeah, so behind the scenes, what it does is that there, you know, it has this neural network model, right? Which is this big, huge model that's filled with tons of, you know, uh, data. And I mean, however you want to talk about how like you know, a neural network is constructed, and it's huge. How many gigabytes did you say the download was? It was like uh, six or seven. Uh, the I, it it caused me, man. I cannot think. I think it's been eight or nine years since the last time I've run any BitTorrent client, but they were so slammed that they're like, best thing is to just download all these files and then get them up and please seed them so that you can spread them around. Yeah, because what happened was they had this thing in a, uh, there's a called like a, like a Google Colab notebook where you can run, like if you're running different kinds of like uh, uh, machine learning systems, things like that, tensors or whatever like that. And they had it, we're like, oh, you can download the model from here. And the way it was configured is people were downloading the model and at seven gigabytes per model and you had tens of thousands of downloads, They were co- it was costing them $10,000 a day in downloads. It was insane. I mean, uh, which, 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 by the way, is the exact same problem that what Red versus Blue had, Rooster Teeth, in the very early days, uh, before there were easy solutions. But nowadays, there's easy solutions, so it makes sense that they that they're sort of putting everything but behind a paywall of effort and understanding. It took me about an hour to really understand how the Google Docs environment worked and and what the rules were. It's pretty easy if if you don't mind just continuously googling uh how does blank or what does this mean and so on yeah you could get there they say that they are working on a model a version of the app where it is host the model is hosted on the cloud and players can play on any device per their patreon can can we uh can we give a shout out to the guy who recommended this to us uh for weird things uh david uh i believe uh yeah i had a couple people email it and it was like been had a hacker news for like two weeks yeah too, so it's no it's great uh, it, it, this morning was the first time it popped on my radar so i appreciate being uh, thought of yeah no for sure I, and by all means just because i'm like i heard about it please send us because we stuff there's more stuff than we can keep track of folks man and this is what so if people want to keep track of all of our adventures here at weirdthings.com yeah that's where you can support us if you go to patreon.com slash weird things This ain't no AI dungeon. It's a real website where you can go ahead and give us real money. Uh, Thank you to everybody who has already done it. And thank you even more if you plan on doing it right now. That is patreon.com slash weird things. You know, I am all for hobbyists and experimenting in the spirit of research. Uh, You know, for instance, our... A good friend Brian here and his buddies, they get up to all sorts of shenanigans trying crazy things. But uh, I'm going to I'm gonna try to see if we can one-up you for the modern rogue there, Brian. You ready? Oh, no, I'm ready. Bring it. Have you guys thought about building your own quantum physics generator? <sighs> okay, I fold instantly. <laughs> like, I give up the, the big blind. It's fine. Uh, so uh, this was in the news, and... Uh, 
Bryce, just do a little, just do a little Google News for your quantum physics generator, and then show them the results. Oh my God, I found, I found. Oh my gosh. Okay, so uh, <laughs> what this, is going on? This is the top result wait, for wait, quantum. Wait, 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 Bryce, don't show them anything. Brian and Justin, like, what do you think when I say this and Bryce's reaction? Well, okay. From Bryce's reaction, I'm thinking it's some kind of like next level pseudoscientific nonsense. Like, like what the bleep do we know? Did you manage to sit through that whole movie back in the day? Uh, I, I had to, I think when I worked for the sheriff, I had to watch part of it or whatever. And it just, it was just infuriating to watch a movie where basically you're saying, so you blame children who are sick. It's their own fault. Got it. Okay. There's a, a it is it is it is a, a an hour and a half embodiment of the sentiment of I forget what scientist said it, but it was some version of the quote. Look, just because things get a little bit nutty at the subatomic level doesn't mean all bets are off. <laughs> like it doesn't yeah. mean <laughs> that suddenly wishing for things makes them true, or or that you can attract magic in, in with your thoughts or whatever. Yeah, I just remember the interview where they said, because they're talking about how all illness is really because of a state of mind. They're like, so children suffering from like diseases, like terminal deals, disease, and they're like, well, basically, like, so a seven-year-old girl with leukemia, it's her fault. Like, well, I wouldn't put it that way, but like, it's literally what you said. Well, you know, positive thinking, blah, blah, blah. It's like, holy cow. Well, and, and I'm sure that in their minds, they want to believe that positive thinking can lead a child out of leukemia, but they don't realize that if they're proposing a set of rules, they go both ways, right? Oh, oh, no, <laughs> I mean, they flat out said these things are caused by negative thoughts and stuff. I mean, they were like, there, that was confronted like, like, well, yes, we do believe this kind of thing, and it was like, blaming people for their disease—that's great. Sure. So, so in that case, uh, this is the nightmare that I'm that I'm expecting on the Google News thing. <laughs> All right. So, I think it's going to be something comically low rent, something that that makes uh, uh, Heisenberg's meth lab look like uh, Epcot. <laughs> So we've got the story. This is from rawstory.com. I'll just, should I start with the headline, Andrew? Quantum. Uh, I, I kind of, I don't know if you want to start there or if we want to start from the, the, like the first tweet of like, start with the first tweet, like sure. December okay. the 5, 18 PM one. Five. Okay. Yeah. So this is from at Dan Perlman hazmat update CFD about 20 duplexes have been evacuated on chip and hook court after a man called nine one one and said he was burned while working on a quantum physics generator in his garage. <laughs> he mentioned alpha waves prompting concerns of radiation. No contaminants found so oh far. My God. Okay. Okay. So, so if I'm guessing where this goes, knowing that this is the seed, I'm going to guess that it's some version of a nonsense hysteria, like as if the China syndrome was happening in your backyard by a bunch of people who don't understand how quantum physics or the China syndrome works. Uh, I mean, it's really like there's just one idiot at the center of this and extra people acting appropriately cautious and safe. It's really like there's just one, one, and so like the next tweet is, because uh, remember, this guy called out, I've been burned by my quantum physics generator. <laughs> and so, like, you know, you're, you're firefighters, and you're like, well, we have procedures to handle this, and it's better to follow the procedures than not, you know, watch yeah. Chernobyl. You know, is this sure, like, like, yeah, I yeah, I'm not sure I know what quantum physics generator is, but I know what the word burned means, and my job is to treat yeah. burns. Yeah. And also, yeah, and I'm sure at that point you're going through all your training on on the appropriate people you need to talk to and uh, uh, you need to you follow and 
Oh my God. I can't imagine what this, this Yahoo, the, the kind of noise that this Yahoo made. And, and even if you don't know somebody or, or if you don't remember yeah, at this point, you're calling your contacts who know something about uh, dealing with uh, radiation burns. And maybe, maybe you saw, uh, you, uh, you saw Chernobyl on the HBO or something. And so you're like, well, you know, that early response really matters if there's some kind of significant thing. So they said yeah. next tweet was, Crews are here from AEP Ohio or here near Chippenhook Court because firefighters found a device that may be used as a capacitor, which the caller says is a quantum physics generator. Firefighters say AEP would need to de-energize the device if it is a capacitor. Okay, now that sounds pretty fancy, but but if, if, if you're not savvy to science talk, uh, uh, batteries are things that generate a certain amount of electricity at, at a a predictable level you you got to whatever uh, you have an and anode, capacitors anode are swimming holes or whatever that just uh, whereas a capacitor out. does have it's basically a bucket so imagine mm -hmm. a battery spends a lot of time putting a lot of energy into a bucket and it could all be discharged at once as a matter of fact we did a mono rogue where we took the capacitor from a disposable camera and uh, charged it up and then used it as a, 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 a taser, kind of a shock device where it discharged it all at once. It was very unpleasant to have somebody stab you with that and have like a shock happen on there. So if it is a capacitor at this point, there is legitimate cause to think like, we don't know how big this electricity bucket is. We don't know how full it is. We would need to discharge it. That all seems pretty reasonable in terms of the information that you've gotten so far on the, twi the Twitter feed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the situation at Chippenhook Court has been contained. The device thought to possibly be a capacitor was not functional. One firefighter suffered a sprained ankle, no other injuries. Oh no! Next one, the, the caller sprain, will be the admitted to the hospital. The ankle is the one. Like, do you want to be the guy who got injured on this call? <laughs> <laughs> the the next one is the caller will be admitted to the hospital for evaluation. Fire investigators also say he will be charged with inducing panic. Well, so the panic uh, is, I think, illustrated well from this Fox 13 uh, headline. Mm -hmm. Nuclear device report evacuates Ohio neighborhood. No hazard found. Did somebody hear the word quantum and just conflate it with nuclear or well, atomic? Remember, we have a caller who was calling up 911 and saying things that were, as far mm -hmm. as we understand, patently untrue about yeah. alpha waves and stuff like that. So... Yeah, the uh, alpha waves and critical accelerator, all this sort of stuff. So he basically swatted himself, basically, by 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 saying enough trigger words that caused something to get escalated to a level of importance. Well, he did I probably mean, yeah, consider you know, you know, it important. Like he did yeah, probably think it was dangerous. You know that phrase, uh, "smart enough to be dangerous." Sure. <laughs> like that. That this is the definition of that. He, he knows enough of these words to say them in a in a manner of speaking that for a bunch of other people that are just trying to keep the peace, uh, they you know are googling these words or, or they know enough of these words to know that this is something really serious. And next thing you know, somebody sprains their ankle because this dude had an erector set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So everybody's okay. Did did he actually even get burned? Uh, I don't. I'm trying to find a follow-up here, and Google News is frozen on me. Um, but man, if only people would go to Patreon.com/slash/WeirdThings, we could afford an entire wing of investigators. We'd have that dude live on the line right now. <laughs> yeah. Per these two articles I see, they just say that he will go a mental evaluation. I imagine if there were burns, that some that they would have seen it on site and reported it. Yeah. I think the only burns were sick burns on on cognition. <laughs> 
this reminds me remember the whole balloon boy thing yep where you're like man this feels this is fishy how a kid fit in there da 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 and then hey guess what it was bs (laughs) yeah we actually just had the anniversary of that not too long ago right and it was like a couple couple weeks ago was was the big i think it was like a 10-year anniversary of of balloon boy yeah yeah october 2009 october 15 2009 can't believe wow Man. And by the way, to this day, the the now teenage uh, uh, balloon boy maintains that that this was indeed not a hoax. I mean, look uh, at, at at the age of let's say he's nineteen. At the age of nine, uh, with any consistent reinforcement, you can get any nine year old to truly believe literally anything, and and. Uh, he will manufacture a vague, half-remembered hallucination, but but the more you rehearse that in your mind, it becomes a true memory in your mind. So I don't I don't doubt that he believes it all really happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, fascinating story though. That was, I mean, like, yeah. was that was that the beginning of? I mean, because obviously this feels very internet significant. But maybe it was just because, like, it was the first time that everybody could react to things on YouTube. Was Twitter around? No. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh, I, I remember so. the yeah, like a year two thousand nine. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the. I remember. I have the CNN book tweet bookmarked saying that there's a boy up in a balloon. Yeah. <laughs> that was a. Yeah. Uh, there are sometimes uh, we, we we talk about when it comes to storytelling. We talk about uh, uh, niche uh, type and spice. You know the idea that. There's the structure of whatever your story is. There's the uh, uh, the the thing that makes it kind of wacky. But then the niche is the most important one. That's sort of what I think of as like the black hole of storytelling in the universe. And if somebody wants, if the world wants a story enough, the world won't be overly concerned with how true the story that they're getting is. And this definitely felt like everything was primed for something to set fire. There, there, there was a event horizon that this story was just the right story of the, the, the narrative of the wacky backyard scientist and his son caught up in a, you know, in a balloon. Well, the, the other thing, Brian, is the key in on the word event is it was an ongoing thing was, hey, we heard about a thing that's happening. And so news helicopters were trying to follow it, all of this. And so it's like a David Blaine stunt. You know, the way the way to pull that off is you don't tell everybody, hey. I'm going to go do this thing Tuesday for one hour. As you say, I'm going to go do this thing starting Tuesday. A few people show up on Tuesday. Other people see that people showed their Tuesday. So on Wednesday, you got a bigger crowd. And then the news covers the big crowd there. Then by Friday, it's an international story. And, and this, this is also perfectly timed as we all of humanity suddenly has a chat room in the form of Twitter. So it's easy to, sp- to spread information without vetting it uh, before we ever thought of that, that kind of thing. Yep. I'm just looking through the details. The man who is in his late 20s or 30s and who resides at the 6300 block called 911 called at about 16.15 p.m. And I just got one of these Google, like, take take this survey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds, no offense, man, could be pissing off one of our patrons here, but it sounds like <laughs> it's like a, like a By the way, ball. if you are our yeah. patron, congratulations. You get to have a full hour dedicated to talk about whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we get this too a lot is, 
when I work for the 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 James Randi Foundation, you get people who are you know oh, I've come up with a perpetual motion, or they would never call it that. They'd call it you know over you you know over you know unity, whatever sort of different terms and phrases they would do An to avoid the things the triggers uh, engine. Yeah, and you just you encounter this a lot where it's you could be skeptical, like well I think this has problems, and they're like ah you just don't understand, and it's like maybe maybe you don't, <laughs> you know, it's this, you know, I've got a pet theory on how these things work. And I think I'm all for garage experimentation though. I don't want to discourage anybody from, you know, doing anything here. Um, I wonder if it was like a Farnsworth thing. He, the Farnsworth fuser he built, because those are relatively accessible there. It's it basically, you can build a fusion device in your own home if you want. Um, and this was actually by the guy, one of the pioneers of television developed the Farnsworth fuser. Oh, which... I, 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 am I right in understanding? Like it's not the fusion part that's tricky. It's making it energy positive. That's tricky. Like the yeah. sun does it, but we've not figured out how to make it energy positive. Like fusion bombs, obviously conduct fusion, but, but, but at the expense of eating up the resource as they're doing it. Right. We don't have a fusion bomb. That would be very scary if we did. But, Wait, but I, like, hold, um, hold on. There is no fusion bombs. Maybe no, I'm the trigger. Confused. Sorry, you're right. Yes, you're you're correct. I thought yes, absolutely correct. Um, I was I was thinking of a the the other thing, which was the one that would non the nonstop fusion bomb, which would oh correct 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 yeah that would be yeah, very yeah. very sure. scary. Sorry, my apologies. <laughs> but but, but I got basically, panic here for like no, we don't have one. We can't have one. <laughs> we'll <laughs> it, die. It, it, in that case, that is an explosion that is net energy negative, right? Uh, it, whereas what we want is a fusion reactor that is net energy positive, where we're just feeding in hydrogen that becomes helium and so on. Yeah, exactly. You want it to you know, produce more energy than it takes in. It's so like a Farnsworth fuser. If, if you look that up, um, you can see that basically it's you know it's a kind of a cool sort of thing where it glows and you're basically you know creating this this sort of fuser sort of thing. And I've met like high school kids who built them, you know, it's, it's a slightly technical kind of thing, but you know, and very, very cool. You know, there's a lot of cool stuff there. You see that like, it's got that, that like, kind of like Dr. Manhattan sort of symbol in the center where basically you create this electrical field and, uh, it starts to glow inside of there. And, so. and all it's doing is inputting hydrogen, exporting helium at the expense of the energy that goes into it. Right. Yeah, it just takes a hell of a lot, tremendous amount of energy uh, to do that. Sim similar to the electrolysis, like if you take uh, take your cell phone charger and uh, uh, tear off the end of it, split apart the negative and the positive thing, uh, in, and just stick it into uh, salt water, then you'll see bubbles forming around it because there'll be electricity, direct current going through, and it, it takes energy, but you'll be pulling out the uh, the hydrogen on one uh, uh one node and uh, oxygen yeah. on the other. So it seems like same thing, but for fusion. Wow, it sounds overly reductionist when I put it this way. <laughs> well, in that, what you just described over and that was purely a chemical process. Okay. And so you're, 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 where this is literally like, this is, this is theoretically in some point, it's ionizing this stuff to the point that some of those hydrogen might be fusing into helium. And so where this splitting oxygen, hydrogen apart is a chemical process. This is fusion, you know, so this takes place. Very, I don't know if you can even really measure the amount that it's theoretically produced, but um, it's, you know, it's neat, you know, and then trying to scale these things up. But, you know, it's one of these things where there was a lot of research on this early on. They realized you're just never going to make this thing more powerful. Do you then? I, I wonder how far off the energy curve is knowing that because the story that I always hear is that helium is finite and there's going to be a time that we won't use helium 
for balloons. But if, you know, if, 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 if theoretically energy gets cheaper and cheaper, which it seems to be doing as we are, you know, solar gets better, wind gets better and so on, then why not use that to manufacture helium uh, to, to use for balloons? Well, step one is the energy, the amount of energy that it would take to do that, to, that it would take to produce just a f tiny amounts of it would be immensely expensive. You're talking millions of dollars per okay. like, you, you know. So, so the, the thing gap is, like, is much the, the, wider than, than I'm picturing. Well, and also the thing with the, the helium thing is that we, there's abundant amounts of helium, but because every time you put, extract natural gas, you get helium when you do that. It's just the process to to collect that natural, collect the helium to do that, whatever. We don't bother doing that. And there's there's sort of been like, we've done all sorts of weird things with pricing and stuff on helium, which just makes it not worthwhile for anybody to really try to get into helium production. But the actual amount of, the, there's what they call the strategic helium reserve where they store it, but then the actual like amounts of helium that we have is tremendous. You know, we're not really going to run out of it anytime in the foreseeable future. It's just that we've done so many market things to make it, you know, impractical, you know. Right. It's like, There's a difference between helium and cheap helium. So maybe yeah. maybe we are about to run out of cheap helium, but as we've seen, and, and this is a whole separate discussion, we've talked about the work of economist Julian Simon and all that stuff where it's like, in general, humans, clever creatures, they tend to figure out a way to get more of a thing when they want it. Yeah. 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 It turns out in the universe, there's an awful lot of helium. Awful <laughs> lot. <laughs> But, uh, so we'll see, but you know, if you have helium and you'd like us to have it, please send it into weird things. We'd like to have your helium. Um, there's also like different, there are different grades of helium too. Like the stuff you get at the party supply store, it's not like straight up pure helium and it's sort of a mix. And, uh, you know, if you're using stuff for industrial applications, you use a different grade of helium because it has to go through a finer process because to make it, you know, 90% helium is enough for balloons and stuff, but in certain applications, like if you're building, let's say, you know, a helium airship, you know, that's 10% weight, 10% whatever. So um, a lot oh, yeah. of variability. No, it definitely there. makes a, a difference. Whereas, like, if you just want a mylar balloon to float, you can you can put a little nitrogen in there. Ain't nobody going to complain. Mylar balloons are still amazing to me. They really are. I mean, mylar. Yeah. Look, man, science is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's Technology. my for it, I just—it's shiny and it floats and it looks like metal. Just we—we we talked about a while ago, a long time ago, what they had like the 1930s that we actually had metal airships. There was the uh, the ZC, which stands for the zinc clad, which the Navy built a airship out of this basically a, a proto kind of zinc sort of material, not a, quite aluminum, whatever. And like just incredible to think about that. I mean, it would have you know pushed thinner than a coke can, but kind of amazing that you know we could have done that. I digress. I guess we should talk about this a little bit. You heard about the, there was an article about Magic Leap, about kind of. Ah, uh, no. yes. I, I, I know nothing about this. I, I know that Magic Leap, uh, uh, which I guess only recently I found out was based in Austin. Uh, but, but this is the augmented reality thing, right? Yeah, their, their main headquarters is Fort Lauderdale, actually, is the old Motorola factory near where Justin and I lived. Um, but I'm sure they've got facilities everywhere. Um, but uh, they had, you know, they've been, Magic Leap was founded in 2011. And with the talk of, you know, um, they're going to be creating, you know, this next generation augmented reality tech, whatever. 
And eight years later, there was an article, I think it was The Information did this report, and other people picked it up and covered it, and their claims are that you know they had hoped to because they put out their first commercial product like last year. Their goal was that they wanted to, you know, the Abramovitz one, the guy who created the company, wanted to sell like they wanted to sell like he wanted to sell like a million. And as people are like, no, adjust your expectations. Let's try to sell a hundred thousand of these units. And according to the information, they're claiming they sold six thousand. Uh, were were they overpriced or was there un, were they underbenefited? yes take your pick <laughs> yeah i mean look it, it's it's always been there is uh, <laughs> tell you what, there there is there is a great story uh, that will eventually be told about the demo that magic leap used to sell their uh, uh to to get funding because it was legendary even before people were paying attention to ar and vr in the mainstream way uh, that this was life changing. You could see the future with this. Uh, all of a sudden, a, a elephant appeared under a teacup or something like that. That was in this demo, and from that point, it was uh, got a ton of uh, a ton of money behind it. And all we ever heard was, "It's years away. It's years away. It's years away. It's years away." And now, it's been years, and the headline remains the same: that it's years away, and they've released an iteration. That was not great because the real cool stuff is years away. So, uh, uh, and then yeah, yeah. Take take on top of that the fact that they just they did these other demos like the 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 Weta, um, you know, shoot 'em up uh, uh, video that we're watching now. That was just it was basically just a CGI tutorial. Like this this had nothing to do with what you would actually see. Nor have we gotten anywhere close to seeing anything like this. Yeah, and then you had, in the meantime, you had, you know, the HoloLens came out, you know, you've had other stuff put out, the other augmented reality tech. Both Apple and Google have done a lot now with the software. Like Google, Google has their own AR kit system, and now they've added occlusion like Apple has. So you look at, let's say you hold up your hand, an object can appear in front or in back and that stuff. And that, the software has come along tremendously in the hardware, because we kept hearing about like, oh, the device looks this. And, and I wonder, like, I wonder now, like, how many of the people who were the early ones talking about how amazing it was had much experience with AR or stuff? Because you've seen this now too with some people who, even technology reporters who've never really tried some of the newer VR, like, oh my God, this is amazing. Or are you know people who are technology VCs and stuff who you realize, oh, they're not, they're totally unfamiliar with this sector. And so this demo is the most amazing thing in the world to them. But somebody else who's been playing around and stuff is like, oh yeah, that's cool. That's like this. So I don't know. I, I I've been was very hopeful that, you know, we would see something kind of really kind of awesome by them now. And I'm not writing them off, but it is, you know, eight years later and, you know, you people who've put this on, you know, my girlfriend tried the helmet and she's like, her description was, was interesting because, or the, 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 she tried on the device. She's like, it's a very small, small field of view that you saw the thing through. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly it. You know? So, yeah. And the cost yeah. is very high. Uh, I mean, right yeah. now <laughs> they are selling the personal bundle of this for two thousand two hundred ninety-five dollars, up to the developer. There's, the, plus. there's no real products. It's just a developer kit, so you can make your own whatever you want. I mean, exactly. Well, the two thousand dollars. Oh, there's there's a twenty-eight hundred dollar one that is a developer kit, but they do have a version of a glasses thing. You can get a glasses thing to put on your face look like one of the snapchat guys <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, it's going to be one of these things that the, the overall area of AR, we're going to kind of look at it from afar and then one day, you know, be everywhere, but when it's ready. And I think for Magic Leap, the challenge they have faced is you're trying to develop, you got three problems. One, you're trying to develop this hardware, this really amazing hardware for putting these images in front of you, and you're limited by, you know, uh, how much those little displays can put out there, whatever their formula for doing that is, the display technology, driving the display technology, your computer, which is processing the stuff because you're not just, you're trying to process, it's like VR, you're trying to process thing in multiple dimensions, all of the stuff. So you've got the hardware thing and how fast that's gotta be and trying to scale that thing down. Cause you look at like, you know, the, the rigs you guys use for your Vives, you know, you guys both use serious gaming rigs. You oh, know? sure, sure. And, and, yeah, no, you know, there's a lot of so horsepower. Yeah, you've got the hardware between just the computer power and then the 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 goggles trying to look through. Then you've got your operating system, whatever code base you're using to try to figure out how to run everything, trying to build your own game engines or whatever engines you're trying to do that kind of stuff. Then you have the problem of content. You know, solving any one of those challenges is what destroys companies. Trying to solve all three challenges is just that was one of the things from the get-go. I'm like, well, this would be interesting. This takes off because, you know. You get, you know, game consoles are hard enough to launch and not to say this is going to be specific game consoles, but to try to do an entire, a whole widget like this is just beyond me. Um, so anyhow, gentlemen, let's do picks. I got a pick. I made my children watch Gattaca and um, number one, spoiler alert, it holds up. It's delightful. I think they made some really smart decisions. What was it? 1990, mid nineties. Uh, it came out. Um, uh, number one, it's set in the future, but a clever trick, if you're going to set something in the future is model everything on something from the past. And in this case, mm -hmm. all of the clothing, all of the styles, everything feels mid forties, maybe early fifties ish or whatever. Um, it sets up this idea of a kind of a new racism that is technically illegal, but rampant between those who are designed from birth and those who are, as they're called, godchildren, uh, you know, just, you know, whatever, let, let fate roll the dice on them. And uh, I, it was interesting because my 12-year-old got it, and she tends to be really dialed in on emotional aspects. She doesn't mind that it's a romance story or whatever. My 15-year-old, not a fan of romance stories, not a fan of stories that make you think and put you in uncomfortable ethical positions, uh, but afterwards i mean to her credit she watched the entire thing and just you know just gave me a for shame dad and told me i lost points with her but it was interesting because <laughs> it was it was interesting because afterward i found me and my wife uh hanging out in her bedroom saying like hey just so you know your mom and i watched this in our early 20s and uh, you know your dad is the, you know, what that movie is about is about not letting the world tell you what your station is. You're not, you, you don't have to be what you're born into. And I was like, look, I, I, I was a kid who was born into uh, a, 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 the son of an executive in middle management of, for a petroleum company. Bonnie's dad uh, managed a, 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 a Luby's cafeteria. Um, and yet both of us punched above our station and did the incredible because as Gattaca puts it, we saved nothing for the swim back. We somehow 
carved out a life for ourselves with your dad being able to be a magician and then later, you know, a YouTube creator, whatever that means, uh, and, and your mom being a ceramics artist and all that stuff. Um, I, I, I don't know. I deeply adore that story, and I deeply adore that metaphor of the saving nothing for the swim back, which will make sense if you've seen the movie. If you've not seen the movie, I'll not explain the metaphor because it'll take something away from the movie. Yeah, and that's the movie that made uh, uh, Maya Hawk possible. Yeah, it's Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman worked on the movie and Maya Hawke was born like a year later. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Uh, yeah. Did you know that Maya Rudolph is in that movie? No, <laughs> yeah. I did not. Maya, <laughs> Maya Rudolph is she has no lines. You only see her eyes. She happens to be the nurse that takes baby Ethan Hawke and holds him while <laughs> they do the initial analysis, saying that he has a 99 percent chance of a heart condition by age 30. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Yeah, it's funny when you see people like in the small roles, then they just keep popping up. But yeah, I wonder if that's where the name come from. I like, know, dude, that's Thurman's exactly like, what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great name for a baby. 12 months later, Maya, Maya. I love that name. <laughs> but yeah, I just sort of, yeah, I, I love Gattaca. I think it's it's a, a very, I love movies that sometimes say, let's explore this idea. And you know, this could be the way the world works or whatever and kind of tell a story about you know, determining who you're going to be and, and whatever. And genetics can only, you know, may give you abilities, but don't give you the determination or what have you. Um, it, it, it does suffer it, from that that classic uh, blinders effect that that oftentimes science fiction has where it's like we're in this crazy future, but they didn't see things like cell phones being a thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the thing I like the most about Gattaca is that it's a big idea movie uh, with a gigantic concept that also never elevates itself too far beyond the moments of the characters. And that's what I've always like I always, I always appreciated about it is that like you wind up leaving that movie thinking more about the conflicts of everybody that we watched and then also in appreciation of this larger kind of racism metaphor genetic babies kind of idea which i think is just awesome because i think sometimes uh, those movies have a tendency to just get lost in 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 the sauce of the big idea that they're, that they're trying to serve well and i think that in the case of two that that might be one where the uh, the director the writer is it nicole i think he wrote and directed it um may and he's done other sci-fi stuff too if you look up he did like in time and some other things like i i think that it may have been a very much an intentional choice because sometimes really well done stuff, as you pointed out, Brian, they said it like, give it this 50s aesthetic so it doesn't date itself. And the moment you have somebody pull out a device, you know, the the trend now is, is like now every sci-fi movie we imagine somebody's going to be holding on to some sort of electronic device. So they just make all of them transparent, which mm. is funny because you like you watch shows where you're like, man, this person's reading a private email, but anybody sitting in front of them can read it through the screen because it's there. But it's just solving the problem of like you know every year it's a new iphone and they get bigger smaller or whatever and so what do you do in 30 how do you do it for 30 years from now and holograms and stuff or just don't show them at all you know don't say they don't exist but just don't even acknowledge them right oh so uh man um i gotta pick i went to go see the new ryan johnson film uh knives out uh it is certainly a more of a return to form for Ryan Johnson past uh, The Last Jedi, which obviously has to kind of fit into a lot of different buckets. This very much feels like a Ryan Johnson movie. Um, 
you know, it follow it falls a little bit more into the into the the the, the brothers bloom bucket for me where I, I I like it, but I don't know if I love it. But uh, it is still good to see him kind of doing his own thing because I think he is far more comfortable in a world where he can control everything. And, and he always does just get very good performances out of his actors. Yeah, the movie's great. I, I loved it. Um, uh, fantastic murder mystery. It keeps you keeps you guessing. It kind of... Uh, they, they, they do in, introduce... I mean, you got to sort of buy into the conceit of the character who uh, I, I don't think is much of a spoiler because they say it within 30 seconds of her introduction. Like, what if somebody vomited every time they lied? How would that affect a murder mystery situation? And uh, what what could you assume and what could you not assume out of that? And uh, so I that, think that, that, that was fun. Like, yeah. once you buy into that, it's just yeah. silly enough that it's like, yeah, okay, I get it. That's the kind of ride we're in for. And it doesn't... Well, they don't lean that. on that idea too hard i mean they they have a couple of good bits and a couple of gags but there's i mean still... it's it's a it's a silly movie mm. and if you if you like i'll just put it this way if, if you were really into ryan johnson because of brick and looper then this will feel at times a little cartoonish and silly if you enjoyed the levity of brothers bloom then you will uh you will also enjoy this because there are Many colorful characters, and some of which are are very cartoonish, and some of which are a little bit more realistic. But ultimately, you will you are you are in a world where there is a uh, a, a, a grand uh, you know Sherlock Holmes of the South <laughs> who is uh, uh, you know going through this murder mystery of a murder mystery writer. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, it's it, it's certainly worth seeing. My one hesitation is like, boy, was, uh, you know, subtlety wasn't exactly on the menu here for <laughs> Knives Out. It is. You mean the big, the big ring exactly. of knives that was just always looming behind people for various reasons? Well, well, and not only that, but also the fact that uh, the first interviews take place on the periphery and they get closer and closer to the middle to where finally, for the first time, there's ever, only after he knows who the bad guy is does he sit down and the shot is framed. Uh, Justin, did you get... Did you notice... Uh, uh, when I watched it, I noticed that an awful lot of heads were cut off at the top part of the forehead. Uh, and and I know in the old days of film, that could have been a projection issue. But in digital days, I was like, well, I assume that has to be a quirky and very intentional decision, uh, which I took to mean as everything closing in, feeling tight and constricted. But But I don't know that everybody had that experience. Did you notice that at all? No. But... Okay. Uh, but yeah, there we go. Knives out. Cool. Uh, I got a pick. Um, so I I I, I don't talk about this show too much, but I think it's very funny, and it just wrapped up last night. It is HBO's Silicon Valley, uh, sixth season is its finale season, and uh, I think I think it ended in in the right way for for a show that has constantly been like, you know grand successes and and then huge catastrophes for for the for the story for the characters involved um i think it makes sense the um <laughs> the way that they are their total abject success um can't just fail it has to like 
be an embarrassment. It has to be like this this stain on everybody's record for how for for what they have to do. I, I think it's very clever, um, and and it, it, it's it's really funny. I think it is a funny show. Um, it it's so weird to think that it's been on for six seasons. Um, I can't believe but, it's been so fast. Like it it really feels like it was just mm-hmm. introduced, and I started watching it. A few, uh, couple of years ago, but I guess it's been a minute. Yeah. Um, but I think it's great. Any, anybody else here watching Silicon Valley? Uh, yeah, I watched the finale last night. Um, I, I genuinely think, obviously, that it was a bit of a troubled production, as was kind of uh, uh, detailed and behind the scenes, as behind the scenes stuff sort of spilled over. Um, I, I think that the show lost a little steam a few seasons ago when the powers that be running it and the stars on it started to become like when, when Silicon Valley began, it was this kind of curious look into an influential industry that America was kind of fascinated by, but it was, there was a silliness to, uh, and, and, and a frivolity to the idea that Silicon Valley existed as it is. I think the show itself began to take a far darker sort of look at it as more and more people started to get upset about the, you know, a lot of the companies that they were modeled after. And I I don't know if the show itself was necessarily better for it, but Mm. I thought it was an okay season finale. Comedies are always so hard to wrap up uh, because ultimately it's like, how do you, if, if the point is always to, you know, end the show where somebody slips on a banana peel for the biggest laugh, uh, like, how do you bring that to a satisfying conclusion? Yeah, I enjoyed it mm-hmm. for a while. And then it started to get very repetitive of like, watch sort of we're going to make these mistakes. But in this location and these mistakes over there, I always enjoyed the, the performance is really good. But and, and there was like that. Yeah, is, is it went from like, hey, aren't these tech bros silly to, you know, let's make a referendum about it. It became, I don't know, a little too preachy for me. Hmm. Um uh, I will say that the big thing that they did not talk about in this season is how jacked Kumail Nanjiani is, uh, <laughs> because I, I assume that this was shot as he was getting in shape for the Marvel movie that he's doing, where he is almost certainly going to be in Marvel shape. But like that dude has guns and they like, <laughs> don't mention it at all on the show, which I thought was like for a show like that, you'd figure, I don't know, you could have some little throwaway thing that he's, you know, just, you know, working out at his desk or something like if, that. If, if, if only a wink or a notice or, or just note like uh, 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 I've seen many programmers, they're not built like you. Well, just yeah, because he's just like sitting down next to, uh, uh, you know, what's his button? The other coding uh, dude whose name uh, I, I forget, but was in Party Down and Martin Star. Martin Star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Freaks and Geeks. He's like standing next to Martin Starr and he's just got these like pro wrestler guns, especially <laughs> next to Martin Starr. It's like, oh, God, look at that. Oh, yeah, I guess it makes sense. He's doing the Marvel movie. Yeah. Uh, I'll just uh, do a little throw out sort of pick. Uh, we've talked before about ways to sort of write, you know, in different like ink displays, stuff like that. And I didn't find any. I've tried a few of the kind of the, some of the displays we talked about, some of the other tablets, and, and they didn't really suit me. But then finally what I did was I got a matte finished surface for my iPad. Just it's that sort of that kind of the, they call it like a paper finished paper-like cover or whatever. 
and I got the Logitech uh, crayon, which is sort of their, it's not the same as the Apple Pencil, but it uses the same sort of electrical field on the tip, so it's got pretty good precision on it. I've been using that. It was eight bucks for the little matte surface on there, and this was like fifty or sixty bucks, and it's been wonderful on the iPad as far as a way to draw and make notes and stuff. So, um, yeah, if you just do a Google search, like for like paper, like Surface or whatever, or just any, there's a lot of different companies that sort of are selling the same material under different brand names and stuff. And I got one that I first, the first app, I pulled out the sheet, tried to apply it, completely screwed it up, got dust under it, whatever, did a horrible job. And I was really angry. Then I realized, oh, they gave me two. <laughs> the first one ah. is for me to practice on mess up. Um, and got the second one on. It was great. So yeah, that's a Logitech crayon, which is a digital pencil for the iPad. So it's just a kind of a, it's meant for children, I guess, but works well for me. So Nice. How much was how much was uh, the crayon? Like on Amazon, it was like 50, 60 bucks or something like that. That's not crazy. No, no. And it's it's a really good precision on it. It's got pretty good battery life on it. And what I love about this, oh, this is what I love about the way that the let me show you it's great about the crayon. The reason I decided to get that instead of the pencil mm-hmm. to charge it, you plug it into your lightning port. Mm. Versus the pencil, you gotta plug it into your iPad, which right. sounds like a great idea. But if you want to use your iPad and not break off your pencil, yeah, not so much. Sit your iPad, you know. Yeah. Where this was just such a this was the and I get the Apple's approach was like, oh, what if people are away from their charger? How do they charge the you know the pencil? Oh, just plug it in the iPad, which is great. But I prefer this much better. So nice. There you go, gentlemen. It's been weird. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.